thank God for your presence today and thank God for another opportunity to share in his word. We've been in a sermon series for the last three weeks. This will be our fourth week. And then the theme of the sermon series is I'm in. I'm in. Using that as a prefix for the the sermons, the first week we, we said you're invited. I'm invited into the body of Christ. By a show of hands, how many of you know you've been invited into the body of Christ? Yeah, yeah. Now the question is if you've accepted that invitation. That's the question. Have you accepted the invitation to be a part of the body of Christ? If not, then certainly there's more we want you to learn about being a part of the body of Christ. The first thing you should know is that if you've accepted the invitation to be a part of the body of Christ, you are invaluable when it comes to being a part of the body of Christ. You are so important. In fact, what we talked about was the body of Christ does not function properly without you doing your part. It's like the body of a person. There may be some parts that do not get attention but that does not mean they're not important. And when they do not function properly, we have a problem. Yeah, there are some parts of the body that you may in your almost your whole lifetime never even think about, but let it get a problem. And suddenly we have an issue that somebody else with more knowledge needs to come help us with. For example, your appendix, never think about it. Never think about it until something goes wrong with it. And when something goes wrong with it, you need some help from on high. But not only are you invited, if you've accepted the invitation and you're invaluable, I gotta tell you this, if you didn't know this, we talked about last week, you need to know that you are influential. Oh, oh, you are. You're influential in ways that you could never imagine. And we talked about people who have been influences in our lives. People who have, without even knowing it sometimes, who have guided us along the journey. And it may not always be the superstars of your life. Sometimes it's the door openers. Sometimes it's the good morning people. Sometimes it's just the people who you see on the street who always make it their point to say hello to you. Those people have influenced you in a way, and so do you. You influence people when you encourage them along life's journey. And so my question to you is, and it seemed to be the theme all week long as I'm talking back and forth to the family, it just kept popping up all week long. Who is your influence in your life, and who have you influenced? Who do you influence on a regular basis? Yeah, and I gotta tell you this, sometimes we influence people and we don't know it. That's when it's dangerous, Cedric, because sometimes people can influence for negative without even knowing that you can be someone's negative influence. I used to say all the time that you can learn two things from a good, uh, from a boss. You can learn how to do it and how not to do it. Yeah. You can always learn something. The question is, what have you learned? And today, as we move into what I think the Lord will let be the last week in this series, in this series, 
we want to talk about something that is crucially important. If you've been invited and accepted the invite, I know you've been invited if you've accepted the invitation to a Christian discipleship and being a part of God's family, you understand that you are indeed invaluable and influential. Then comes the core question. Can't get out of this without answering this question. And your life shows it more than anything. Today we want to talk about are you invested? Are you invested in what we need here in the body of Christ? Because I, I won't get into it individually, but every person in here is invested in something. In something. What are you in, invested in? Because I can tell you this, God has enough people in his family that if we were all 100% invested or even 50% invested in his work, we wouldn't have to go outside the body of Christ for anything, nothing. We wouldn't have to go get money from banks. We wouldn't have to borrow any money if we were 100% invested. In fact, if 40% of the body of Christ tithed, we wouldn't need to borrow money from region. We wouldn't. We could, we could solidly take care of just about everything we needed to take care of without borrowing any money at all, if we were invested. But therein lies the quirk. We're invested, but are we invested in things that matter? Are we invested in things that have lasting value? Are we invested in things that matter for the body of Christ? Or are we invested in things that benefit us, our house, household primarily, and doesn't even have lasting qualities? Let me give you these scriptures from Matthew 6, verse 19. It's a very, very clear direction. He said, uh, uh, the writer wrote, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and, and steal. Do, do you realize, and, and that was, that was uh, a directive for us. He says, don't do it. Don't use your time storing up things that in a moment, in the blink of an eye, will be gone. You ever done that? You ever worked real, real hard on something to get it, get it finished, only to stand back and realize that at the end of it, it didn't matter? That is a frustrating, frustrating thing. I've watched children play with toys and they have been so diligent like a lego they want to build a little house working just for 45 minutes trying to build a little tower and all of a sudden along comes a little brother or sister or whatever and turn around real quick on that little car and poof, they knock it over and it's gone and sometimes Life does the same thing for us, but Jesus tells us that there are treasures we can store up, not here on earth, but in heaven. 
Where are those treasures located? Well, those treasures are located in the people around you and in their hearts. Watch this. Ask yourself, what are you invested in? That, that's our core question today. What are you invested in? Some of us are invested in cars. Some of us are invested in real estate. Some of us are invested in athletics, social organizations, and we spend a lot of time in those groups. I didn't come today to disparage any one of those, not one of them, because I happen to be invested in them as well. And so I wouldn't stand here and tell you there's anything wrong with that. But my question to you is what balance do you have in your life when it comes to your investments? What balance? Don't answer this question, but ask, but, but think about it. How much do you invest in the work of Christ? How much are you investing in his work? And how much are you investing in things that do not last? Prior to March of 20, 2004, I wasn't invested in the concept of tithing like I should have. Just wasn't. It didn't resonate with me. I always found a reason why it didn't work. You know, I was always rationalizing why it did not work. Always trying to think about what was being done with the money. You know, I was always lawyering up the concept of it. And then Something happened to me around that time. Uh, yeah, I got called to pastor church. And I said, how am I going to preach and teach the concept of tithing and don't get it and don't do it myself? And so I committed myself 20 years ago that I couldn't preach it and teach it if I didn't do it. And so I did. I started. And wow. It wasn't that before I didn't give. It's just that I didn't concentrate on that being a priority. I gave. I gave. And had the ability to give a tithe. But I made sure that that was, that I wouldn't be a hypocrite in that space. And so I can, I can say from that point forward, I have consistently tithed. And it's amazing how my finances have improved. It's amazing how things have changed from a financial standpoint. I've never been one that was afraid of sharing. But when I stopped being so guarded about how much of that I share, some amazing things would happen when you open your hands. Just out of the blue, you start receiving. In unexpected ways, my family can witness it. Unexpected ways, not just because I was here pastoring, away from the church, in ways that have been just amazing to me. The Lord has consistently given more than I could have ever imagined. Consistently, just 
out of the blue, I'm getting a check in the mail for something that I hadn't even considered. And I ain't talking about no little checks either. All right? And, and it wasn't such that I even expected, nor could I have expected, that the, the funds would come from that source. And so I don't know about you, but I came to testify to you today that you can't beat God given. You, you cannot beat him given. Yeah, and, and I'm not telling you to give just so God can give back to you. I'm simply telling you when you live your life as a sieve and not as a cup, God will continue to pour through you and allow you to help people in ways that you cannot imagine. Some of us have lived our lives as cups, bowls, pitchers, and realized that once it's filled up, we'd rather see it flow over the side than to give to somebody else who may be in need. I'm talking about give to folk who have no way of giving back to you. Yeah, I'm not talking about lending. I'm talking about just blessing somebody. Yeah, and it applies to how we live our lifestyles. When, we, when you have that mentality, when you have the mentality that you're, you, it, the, the, the one writer calls it a scarcity mindset. In other words, I got to find everything I can and keep it for myself. As if no more of it is going to come. Then you live your whole life like that. You know, you can, now you can't eat in my car. That's what we tell you, folks. Not, not just when it's new, <laughs> all right? Not just when it's new, but, oh, you had that car for 10 years. You mean I can't eat no french fries in here? Man, my french fries are going to be cold by the time we get home. Well, you can eat them in my car. You might even find some french fries up on the seat <laughs> in my car. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You might find a whole happy meal no. <laughs> up on the, the seat. I mean, that's just where it is. I've gotten to the place, that, and if it, when it get that way, I just go through Google <laughs> and vacuum up two or three Happy Meals and go on about my merry way. I just, it's just not something that I concentrate on. Maybe that's wrong. And I'm, as soon as somebody gets in the car with me, I'm, I'm man, don't mind all that stuff in here. Because we live in our cars, moving from place to place. God has created us to, you can write this down, God has created us to pour and not store. All right? He's created us to pour and not store. Pour, you know the parable of the man, of the man who found that he was blessed by his fields, giving back an abundance of crops. And when he realized this farmer realized that he had such an abundance. His first thought was, he said, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. All right? And there I'll store my surplus grain. You know what God said about him? Now, from an earthly perspective, from an earthly point of view, people would say, that's a wise man. That's a wise man. He's going to take what he's got extra, he's going to put it in surplus, Maybe he can sell it to other folk, make some money. God called that man a fool. Called him a fool. Not only did he call him a fool, he did something that's extraordinary in Scripture. He said, tonight, tonight, 
your life is demanded of you. And then, and then, the parable continues that Jesus says, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but, but it's crucial, is not rich toward God. Now, I wonder what would have happened if that rich young ruler had said, since I've got so much, I'm going to share it with those who don't have anything. I'm going to give to those who are less fortunate. Since I have more than I need, I'm going to make sure that those who don't have enough. I've got news for you today. If you've got more than you need, it's not because you've been better than you should. It's not because you're gooder than other folk. Write gooder down. It's not because of that. It's not because you are so excellent. It's because you have been abundantly blessed by God and he is wondering what you're going to do with what he's put in your hand. You, you ever notice that people who, who have and who are generous seem to keep getting so they can be more generous. It's not because they're such good, uh, good investors. It's, it's because they've shown they know what to do with what they have. They know how to bless other folk. There are people in our community who are being blessed by individuals they'll never meet. Never meet because those people saw a need for someone to be blessed, and they've given in such a way. We got a situation going on right now that is going to damage our community in ways that are, that's really dangerous, and that's with the sports stuff, with all this NIL money. Oh yeah, we're messing up some folks. We're messing up some young guys who don't have anything and you can tell immediately that they don't know what they're doing. They're in, co in college buying Lamborghinis. They're in college buying cars that you'll, they'll never be able to afford to upkeep on without that, without that NIL money. Not only that, they don't understand you got to pay taxes on all that money. It's coming to slam them. It's coming to slam them. Now, this is not across the board. Some of them understand that they need to benefit other folks, so it's not universal. What I'm saying is the world systems are designed not to help the body of Christ. And I'm not saying that all of them that get NIL money need to be giving back all their money to church. I'm not saying that. But what it's doing is exposing what they already know. And if you don't know enough, then it's going to take all of it from you and leave you gone. And you're going to end up with no money and no degree. All right, even though you started college with a scholarship, full scholarship, you're going to end up with no degree. Because if you don't get what you want at one school, the system tells you you can leave and go to another school, but what it doesn't tell you is you gave up your scholarship. And so you might go get money, but you ain't going to get no degree. And 10 years from now, you're going to be talking to other folk about that NIL money you had that gone now. You can't take care of your whole family with that money. It's just a struggle. And they got them chasing it. 
But the question is, what are you invested in? And do you know how to invest in other people? We were created to pour and not store. You can't go through life with a never enough mindset. Never enough mindset. When you got that scarcity mindset, then you're driven by fear. Yeah, when I got to keep, guard, protect, store everything, all I find I keep, and then I can it so nobody else can, can get to it. That scarcity mindset. But when you understand that God owns everything, when you appreciate that God owns every, everything, and he gives us opportunity, and he allows us to experience the kind of love he shows us with other people. Have you experienced that yet? He has the kind of love where he blesses his children. And then he wants to know how his children will turn around and bless other folks. So I came to tell you, don't store, poor, poor. Judas, Judas was around Jesus the entire time all the other disciples was. Judas was selected by Jesus. And yet, Judas developed a scarcity mindset. He never understood what Jesus was talking about. You can have two children born in the same house, get the same lessons from parents, come and deal with situations completely different. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about because you grew up in a house like that. You know how to be generous and your brother is tight as they come. Wouldn't share now and later with nobody. It's eight in the pack. He wouldn't give you one. You can see it growing up. He won't even share with you. Whole container of Tic Tacs. You ask for one and he gives you one. Who gives somebody one Tic Tac? What can you do with one Tic Tac? It's almost like not even having one in the first place. But Jesus gave the best illustration, and I'm going to say this and I'm going to get out of your way this morning because I think you understand that we're, we have to invest in the body of Christ. Jesus told a parable. It's found um, in Luke chapter 9. It's probably, let me give you a little background on this, on this, on this parable because some of it's not really understood. Um, in your Bible, it may have the, the, the heading that says, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Okay? It's a beautiful parable. Let me read, starting at verse 12. It says, late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, well, Jesus said, let me give you this. Jesus had been out preaching, and he had been in a remote location. Been in a remote location. And he had been literally, literally preaching all day. All right, people? <laughs> when I say all day, I'm not talking about the normal 20, 30 minutes that preachers preach now. I mean, literally, Jesus had been teaching all day long. All right? And so the Bible says, uh, Luke wrote, late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him, the disciples, and said, Jesus, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and so they can find food and lodging because we are in a remote location here. That's, that's verse 12 in chapter 9. 
So let's, 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 let's pull that verse out of scripture and let's make it real to you. Jesus is out there preaching and teaching all day long. What the Bible doesn't tell you, but if you go back and you understand how things were then, the Bible typically only recorded when it named the number of people somewhere, it only counted the men. Didn't even count the women and children. That's how insignificant they were in scripture. All right? So if you got 5,000 men, then, and you didn't even count the women and children, collectively, you probably got, and I'm just being, this is a guesstimation from many theologians, you probably had between 15 and 20,000 people there. All right? This is, how, this is how, because you didn't count the children. And the reason they had to go into these remote places is because the crowd was so large. All right? And that's why they were out there. So Jesus is literally t- uh, teaching thousands of people. And the disciples sitting over there, they ain't got no watch, but they looking at their sundial on their arm, and they're like, Lord Jesus, what is going on here? He, see, he feeling it today, ain't he? He in it. Can't you see John and Peter getting over there in the corner saying, man, what you going to do? We need to get up out of here. We, we got all these folks. I feel you, Jesus. I got a lot of notes. You know, they taking notes from him. Yeah, this is good. This is good. Then one of them said, but who going to go tell them? Who going to go tell them that we need to get up out of here? It's dark. These folks need to go get something to eat. And all we got right here, I got a coupon from Candide, and I got, that, that's all I got. I can't help them. The Bible said they had a couple of loaves and a few fish. All right? And they got to feed all these folk. Watch this now. So somebody brave enough, probably Peter, he was a, you know, impetuous one. They sent him up to Jesus. John wrote that he was the favorite one, but I didn't find that he clapped out a lot. You know, that was John's definition of who he was. All right? Nobody else signed off on that in Scripture. Just him. The beloved son, the beloved one. So they went up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, this is what's happening. And then Jesus said this to them in response. In verse 13. After they got up enough courage, Jesus turned to them and said, you give them something to eat. That was his response. He said, verse 13, he said, you give them something to eat. And they said, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. You give them something to eat. I'm going somewhere with this now. Because I'm telling you right now, there are people around us hungry. There are people around us in need. There are people around us who need to be blessed. And we keep saying, Lord. Help these folk down here that ain't got nothing. And what Jesus is saying to us is what he said to them. You give them something to eat. Stop thinking that every time there's a need, you can take all yours and keep it in your cupboard, and I'm going to rain manna down so that folk can be blessed when all you have to do is go in yours and bless them with what you have. You don't need more of what you got. You need to pour what you have 
and stop storing what you have. Stop expecting me to do what I have blessed you to do. And watch this now. Watch this. Watch this. This is this. So they come to Jesus and he said, give me what you got. This is crucial. Give me what you have. So they brought the fish and the loaves to Jesus. And Jesus took them and he prayed over them. In other words, he didn't use his own ability. He used God's ability to take what had been given. And the Bible said when he gave it back to God, it multiplied. It multiplied and they were able to feed everybody there from the amount that God had. Not only were they able to feed everybody there, you know this parable, they had 12 baskets of scraps left over. When God gives you a blessing, it's to overflow. Now, now watch this, watch this now. Let, 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 let's, let's be, let's be, let's be, let, let, let's be our usual selves and question this. Well, why couldn't God just bless the, 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 what they had and let it multiply before they gave it out to the folk? Why, why couldn't he? Why, why couldn't he just touch it and it multiplied from right there? And I'm going to tell you this, and then we go. Because God doesn't bless what's stored. He blesses what's poor. All right? He doesn't bless what's stored. He ain't blessing your bank account so that it blows up with 25% interest one day. All right? He ain't doing that. But he will bless the $100 that you take out to give to somebody so that the hundred dollars you try to bless somebody with will be spent like five hundred dollars. He can do that. He don't bless what's stored, but he'll bless what's poured on somebody. The question is, are you pouring? Or are you, are you storing? Are you storing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Do you think everybody happy because they see you balling? I'm starving and you bawling and I'm clapping. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not hating on you. But there will always be people who don't have what they need. And there will always be people who have more than they need. And the question is, how do you get them together? The connecting point is Jesus for us. If we're simply doing what Jesus would do, what would Jesus do? Jesus is going to help people who can't help themselves. Are we? Are we doing that? Are we doing that? Are we helping people who cannot help themselves? And I can tell you as much as I preach this, God always puts me in place to preach the sermons before I come and teach you. I was coming out of a restaurant last week. Laying in front of the restaurant was a dude on the ground. Not only was he laying in front, he knew me. He called me Judd. Good morning, Judd. What's up? <laughs> so, as I'm going in, he said, Judd, can you help me get a little something to eat? 
This is the normal thing. Literally, almost the restaurants downtown could probably get hit up in front of every one of them every morning. All right? So here's the, you know, here's the me and me. I said, man, come on, you know old boy, I'll give you some food if you go in there and ask him. And he looked at me, I'm talking about the owner of the restaurant, because I know he that kind of dude. And he looked at me, he was like, I don't know, like that, in other words. So from that I read, I've been here too much. And he's already given me too much for me to keep coming. So I keep coming, it's like a job coming in here. So I go in there and I transact my business and get my grits. All right, and I come back, and the dude's still there. Obviously, the bell has been rung on other folk, and they didn't respond either. I'm walking back to the car, and some pulling me. Some pulling me, and I'm like, Steve, I can't get there fast enough to the car. I look back at the dude, and I said, Andre, you gonna take yourself to work. This dude laying out on the ground. And what is it going to take for me to help this dude? So I put my stuff in the car. And I said, man, you ain't messing with me, are you? Still not just going with the flow. All right? Just. And he said, he said no. And then he struggled to get up off the ground. And so I go in. The restaurant is full, so people out the door. Good restaurant. And so I'm like, man, I'm not about to stand up in this line. So I go to the front, and then I tell the waitress who I've seen a few times, oh, I lie. <laughs> Lying. It's truth. And I say, uh, I said, look, I'm, I'm trying to, I said, I'm trying to get him something to eat. So she looked at the back. I said, does he come in here a lot? She looked, she said, you know, <laughs> you know. And I said, I know. He's around a lot. He's worn out his welcome at places that he can get something to eat. But you know what, Gloria? He's still home. None of that matters. No matter what other excuses I come up with, no matter how many blocks I try to come up with, I can't get away from the poor fact that he's still home. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what rationale I use, Andre, just help him. <laughs> if you gonna help him, help him. If you're not, go get in your car and go about your business. You ain't got to take no poll. We don't need no survey monkey in the, in the restaurant to ask him what he needs. Just Help the man. Yeah, so I asked the dude, I said, man, what you want? And he started coming up with like half the menu. <laughs> I want salmon croquette and rice and pancakes. And I said, man, it don't even matter. <laughs> Whatever. So I went up there and I told her what he wanted, took care of it. And then I walked out the restaurant. And I said, the rest of it between you and him, you know, I'm. A, I didn't wait around that between him. You can go up there. That's your dignity. You go up there and order and get what you want. You know, I'm done. And I left him. You know, somehow I didn't have no restrictions getting in the car this time. You know, whatever had been holding me back, let me go. It wasn't nothing but my conscience and the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that didn't let me get in there. And I came 
to tell you that sometimes we can rationalize out of being a blessing. Sometimes, just help. Just help. Just like somebody blessed you, just bless somebody and move on. And you know what? Sometimes they get me. Sometimes they get me. I did it one time, gave it to a dude. I handed, I handed the food to the dude. That dude cussed me out and threw the food in the street. See, because this is what you get. I got in the car that time and drove off. Because sometimes it don't work that way. All right. I believe he had some real serious mental health issues, but that morning he was hungry. Yeah, anger overrode his, his anger overrode his hunger that morning. He was mad at me. Now, I don't know if he went back and got that biscuit out the street, but it was still in the package. But what I'm saying is, it's not my job beyond pouring. If I pour, then it's up to the Lord to bless him and deal with the rest of it. And I came to tell you today, God has invested in you in so many ways. Now it's up to you to invest in other people. And I know these messages have been pretty simple. You know, you're invited. Not only are you invited, you need to understand that you got to take the opportunity to understand that you're invaluable. What's my place in the body of Christ? What do I do that makes the body of Christ operate? Where do I spend my influence? How do I spend my influence? Some of you are doing it just by the way you work every day because you show up every day, because you set a good example because of how you tolerate people and deal with people in tough situations. You are influential in that way. People understand, they appreciate what you're doing. Don't stop doing that. That's a blessing to somebody else. You meet them at the point of need. God puts you there for a reason. Then I need you to make sure you're invested. Not just in what we do here at 45th Street, but what we do in the body of Christ. Because all the work can be done at 45th Street. When you walk out of this door every day, you are wearing a banner that said, I belong to Jesus, and this is how Jesus treats people. Do you understand that people need to see you operate like that? And whatever God has blessed you with, he's blessed you with to bless somebody else. It's not just yours. I promise you this. If you use what he's given you to bless somebody in need, he's going to continue blessing you. He will do it. He will continue. I know I'm right about it. I know too many people who are just generous by nature. They give. And, and when I find out that I've been put in the stream to be blessed by those type givers, I'm never surprised to know how many other folk they give to. It's never just uniquely to me. It's to a lot of folk. My question to you is, are you that way? David said this, I've been young and now I'm old but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, and I've never seen his seed begging bread. I've never seen that. Are you righteous? God has an obligation to take care of you. There are some people who have understood this blessing. One tells a story. He started church. He started with Life Church. He talks about how he got started with Life Church. He talks about a businessman that came to him. And this businessman had invested early and well in some ventures. And 
he was a millionaire many, many times over. And the first time he came to the church, the businessman heard a message from this preacher that said, in this church, we need you to understand that if it comes to you putting money in this place, and you need that money to live on, don't put the money in the place. Live, be taken care of, because God is gonna bless us. All right. And he said he was so moved because the mentality of the church was not give me everything you got, drop everything in here. It was a practical ministry that helped people where they needed to be helped. And because the ministry was so practical and from that businessman's perspective, he found that they were genuinely trying to help. He invested in that church. When I say invested in that church, he said, where can I put my money that will have so many dividends? If I give it to you, I know you'll give it to folk and bless them. And we'll expose the body of Christ to so many other people more than I could do by myself. And because he invested in that church, Life Church was able to build an open, watch this, people who know computers, an open platform Bible ministry called UVision. And UVision, some of y'all do Bible studies on it right now. UVision is now blessing millions of people because somebody didn't store. They poured, and God took the, the residue and blesses millions with it. You never know how you're blessing. It's going to help somebody else. You can't even calculate the number of people. I think it's 47 million people who have the app, Vision, right now. They get the Bible. They get Bible study. They get all the things they need in order to grow in Christ all because of a son that that businessman heard and the man heard him and responded to him. Now imagine that happens to us. What can we do to bless somebody else? I need you to think about that. The first thing you got to do though is make sure you accept his invitation. I came to tell you today that God is still inviting people to be a part of his family. Have you accepted it? Have you accepted the invitation? If you haven't, then today is the day. Now is the time. I'm, in, I'm opening the doors to the church, and we're opening the doors to our heart. We're inviting you to be a part of our family, church family. Come on, we're waiting on you. We can do such great things in the body of Christ. But you got to believe that Jesus came and lived, and that he was crucified and resurrected. Yes, he is. I hear you. If you are, the doors are open. Jesus, come on. Come on. And then we want to pour into you when you come. We want to bless you. That's what we've been doing.